64 Tacos Podcast presents. Is this song good? This is episode 62. Talking Heads, Listening Wind. Welcome back to another Is This Song Good podcast, the 64 Tacos podcast. Uh, this week, we're doing another um, deep cut from our season four theme of deep cuts. And this one is the song Listening Wind uh, by a little band called Talking Heads uh, from the album Remain in Light that came out in 1980. Uh, this album had three singles, um, Cross-Eyed and Painless. Once in a Lifetime, and Houses in Motion. I've, I've always been a huge Talking Heads fan, and um, I've also been a big Brian Eno fan. Um, he is the producer on this album, and uh, he's also an electronic musician that has produced um, uh, albums by U2 and uh, Coldplay, I think, and quite a few others. Uh, he's worked with David Bowie. Um, he's been all over the place and done a lot of stuff. But uh, I was in, in, a, in, a, in a phase where I was really into a lot of, a lot of you know, music. And, and when, I, when I found that this album was produced and also influenced heavily by, by his um, uh, ideals and, and his sounds, I spent a little bit more time with it. And uh, it's actually one of my favorite Talking Heads albums. I don't think it's a perfect album. There's some really weird stuff going on on some of the other tracks. But uh, it's, it's got some songs that like, just can't be matched um, in, in a lot of their, the rest of their uh, repertoire. And interestingly, I think Once in a Lifetime is probably their, their, one of their most popular songs. The same as it ever was song. Uh, there's something about this particular song, "Listening Wind," um, that really struck struck a a note with me, and it's something that I you know I frequently come back to and listen to quite a bit, even you know outside sometimes in the context of the album, sometimes outside the context of the album, and uh, I just really like what it's doing with with a lot of the 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 rhythmic. Rhythmic sounds, the ambient sounds, the uh, lyrics are kind of dark and depressing in a in a sort of a political way, um, but not really, you know, sort sort of. <laughs> it's <laughs> it doesn't hide that at all. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you think, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I like the song. Um, I I'm not a uh, talking heads enthusiast i don't know much of their stuff i probably only know what's on the radio and i couldn't tell you what those tracks are necessarily but um i i really enjoyed this one it was i couldn't uh, until i looked it up i didn't know what what time period this album even came came out um i i think that's a a credit to the songwriting is that it kind of feels timeless Mm -hmm. like the fact that it was i and you know i knew it was talking heads so it had to be you know late seventies into the early nineties, maybe, but I couldn't have told you where in there it was. So, um, yeah, it was, it's an interesting song. The, the, the music has kind of a, kind of a middle Eastern or African or kind of tone to it. Um, 
it's got this great story. I guess I thought it was going to be more late eighties, early nineties when we were, when the Americans would have been, you know, invading in the middle East, but apparently it was more, more about the, uh, about Africa. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it was, it's a neat story. Great, great storytelling in the song. And it's got this haunting, haunting chorus where it just repeats, you know, the wind in my heart, the dust in my heart, driving them away. You know, it's just, I, I love the, the atmosphere that he creates with that. Just the menacing Americans coming, you know, it, it, he, it creates this scenario where you've got the, you know, the, the boy from the village, I think, mm-hmm. Who sees the Americans with all their money coming in and taking over and kind of raping the land, if you will? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's what? What are we going to do about this? And he does. It, they don't explicitly say what what happens, but you kind of get a feeling of what's going on. And I I think it's a really 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 neat song. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, it's an interesting to think about what what they were thinking because it does sound like North African or something to me, like when, when the, the name, which sounds French, Mojique, um, that sounds French. So, you know, of course the French were, were in Africa, um, in Northern Africa, mm-hmm. uh, quite strongly, but it, it, he does say Americans very specifically. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know enough history to know what kind of imperialist, you know, policy we had, but I don't think we were really much in Africa at all. I think it was pretty much all Europe. Um, so it was a little confusing. I was trying to like figure that out as I was listening to it. Right. That's why my initial thought was, it was about the middle East because, you know, we've been in there forever. Right. And that would make sense. Cause we were definitely involved in the middle East. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty close. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if Dave, David Byrne was really worried about, uh, you know, uh, historical accuracy. Um, when he was sort of creating the the feeling, because regardless of 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 that, it it really it really creates the mood very effectively, and you could just mentally substitute, you know, Native Americans or anywhere in Latin America if you want. If that's where we were getting mm-hmm. all the pawns for sure. So, um, but yes, uh, the chorus. You're right. Um, I love the um, the introdu- introduction of of harmony. Um, in the chorus and it is haunting um, and, and it repeats. I love the storytelling as well. I like that he paints the picture from the perspective of the, I'm pretty sure a terrorist uh, when he talks about, you know, going down to the free trade zone and he's clearly trying to get rid of the Americans and their imperialism and their, and their sort of incursion on, on their, on the culture. Yeah. It's that this is a hypnotic song with really cool percussion. It really, I, I kind of feel and Zach, you can tell me whether this is true or not, but this kind of feels like as, as they were beginning to get into their sort of like world beat, um, sound when they started really introducing like, um, uh, percussion and, 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 and inspiration from, from, from music from around the world. I, I know that they ended up headed, heading that way in later albums for sure. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, it's, it, so it makes sense to me for the talking heads to have this sound based on some of their later stuff, but I didn't think that they were into at this early in, in their discography. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So um, it, it's it technically happened the album previous to this called uh, Fear Fear of Music. There, there's one track on there called E Zimbra. And that's where they they really started the sort of African uh, polyrhythmic drum beat type of ideals or you know writing, if you will. And uh, and then with this album, it came in full force. Um, both both David Byrne and Brian Eno were very much in, in interest interested in the, those styles of, of music, and and brought the influence into this. Um, it also came up in their. Uh, they did a um, dual duet album, if you will, uh, Brian Eno and and David Byrne um, called "My Life in the Bush of Ghosts," and that has a lot of uh, very uh, you know African influenced rhythms, and and yeah, and I think I think once it once it came in, it really it really kind of took hold, and and it's hard to find later music. I mean, like they don't do do the do that style on every single song, but it's hard to find later music that isn't isn't somehow influenced or or somehow have some of that sound in it. Yeah, because they were much more of a new wave band at first, right? Um, sort of. You could argue like influenced a little bit by punk, but, but sounding more new wave. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, Brian, Eno brought in a lot of the, um, the electronic influence, um, whether, you know, but also like his studio methodology, it wasn't just the, you know, he's plinking around on a, on a synthesizer. Um, he also has this really strange way of, of doing recordings where he kind of just, lets anything go or he just tries to he, he's very experimental so he'll try things so he'll, he's got a deck of cards um called the oblique strategies where if he gets stuck on on something he'll pull a, a deck uh, a card out of the deck and it says you know something it can be cryptic or it can be actually like you know very useful like um you know, fade everything, fade everything out and start again, or, you know, things like that. It's, it's just very, very, uh, you know, he and a bunch of other, um, producers wrote down things that they thought would be useful to overcome blocks while they're producing, while they're writing anything in the studio. And so they, they use this as their methodology of, of recording music and, and helping other, other bands get closer to what they wanted to do. And so this, this album definitely has a lot of that on there. Cause you can, you can feel that it, you know, it's not, it's not all just write out the instrumentation, write out the parts, record it, boom, done. There's, there's a lot, there's, there's something else going on there. And, and even a lot of the, uh, the, the weirder, weirder sounds in the background, like the, the more ambient stuff, um, on this song, listening wind, uh, was done, I think by Adrian Ballou, um, mm. the guitarist from King Crimson. Yep. Um, he, they basically just said, go do whatever you want, have fun. And he, you know, he oftentimes times uses his guitar as not a guitar. <laughs> he'll, yeah. he'll, he has all these different pedals and different um, parts to it. He has a, a, a synth thing that that uh, makes it sound like like uh, synthetic or like a keyboard sometimes, and and so he just messes around with it and, and dinks around with it. And sometimes you get really you know really cool atmospheric stuff. But yeah, all that being said, you know I, I think I think it's just a really interesting song with lots of layers of emotion. Um, layers of of sounds, um, and and I do think you know when you guys were talking about it about the uh, the the lyrical content, 
I, I think one of the really interesting things about this is that we oftentimes think of of terrorism and terrorists as you know that's the it's the bad guy. It's the bad guy doing the bad things, hurt trying mm-hmm. to hurt people and stuff. And I think what's interesting about these lyrics is it kind of paints a different type of picture, which is there are certain types of there are certain people out there in the world that when they get sort of backed into a corner, they don't really think they have any other way to go. Um, and whether that's you know back to the corner by imperialism, back to the corner by war, famine, what have you, once they get to a breaking point they do what they think is right for themselves or for their people or for their country. And I think that's a powerful message to, to, you know, remind ourselves that it's, it's not, it's not always as clear cut and as easy as, as we think of like good guys versus bad guys. You know, there are, there are gray areas to a lot of these different world issues. Yeah. That I, I was, I was gonna, I wanted to talk a little more, a little more about the lyrics and, and you kind of dug into that similar territory that I wanted to, to, to cover, but I, I, I like how it's not judgmental. It just describes the situation. Yeah. Um, like, like in, in a kind of a, you know, an elegant and beautiful way, it just describes the situation and describes what he does. And it talks about his memory and how there's a real feeling of, 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 um, of generational like history, like passed down Mm -hmm. that's being very quickly wiped away by, by the new thing in this case, the Americans. And you know, it, it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't say, and that's why it's good to blow shit up, but it doesn't say, you know, it doesn't paint him as, you know, the the enemy mm-hmm. or, or or evil um a uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, not the villain necessarily the the americans are just as much the villain if not more so honestly well they've created the situation and he is making the decision that he thinks is like you said zach that he thinks is best for his people yeah in in, in the long like a large scale of time kind of way like there's this long stretch of history behind him and the way things were, which is how they want the way things to be. And then people come in and and very quickly change it. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, we just need them to go away so we can get back to our lives. We don't want what, what you're offering. And sometimes the imperialism that we talk about is, is literal. Um, like, you know, uh, Europeans moving down and claiming country or, you know, Europeans claiming the the United States and and you know driving out the the uh, the um, the native inhabitants uh, and there's there's lots of of, of uh, you know examples of it. But sometimes I think now what we're dealing with, and maybe this is what David Byrne was talking about, we're dealing with cultural imperialism. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not going there and saying we own this country, but the way the world's interconnected more and more. These even going back to the eighties, um, capitalism, um, modern Western values, and just culture starts to overtake, and it tends to appeal to you know to younger people, and so the people that that don't want that, r- right or wrong, that don't want that, do feel backed in a corner, like you mentioned, and even if it doesn't mean you can condone actions you can understand how they got there and then maybe that can help guide your future policy 
to understand that this is an inevitable result that you are bringing on by sort of enforcing your culture and your values on people that may have their own. And it's not, it's not automatic for us. We sometimes think every value that we have as America and the West is what everyone should want and need. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily true. You know, it's, it's, I think it is more gray and complicated than that. So I really, I really appreciate the, the, that approach to the lyrics. And I think that makes the song along with the music, it, it just enhances the the sort of haunting. And it's, it's weird. You, you shouldn't enjoy listening to a song that has this sort of lyrical content maybe, but, but it, it just makes you kind of contemplate and the, and the music fits that. So go ahead, Dave. Yeah. It, it's, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying this kind of lyrics. Cause I think they're, they're not sensationalizing the violence or the, the imperialism, they're saying, "Hey, let's let's take a look at that and see see where why it's bad, rather than making it something to strive for." You know, you know, you watch a Marvel movie and and they they say, "Well, let's let's just find out who can who can be the most the most punchy," and then they're they're the hero. Whereas this is saying, you know, um the the person from the village is doing his thing and that's what he's got to do because of you know what what he thinks but but that's not necessarily right either um i don't i don't think they're making that uh making him the hero any more than 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 a villain i think it's just these are these are uh, this is a scenario that very well could have happened and we need to have some some thoughtful discussions about it. Yeah. I mean, this is a little, a little heavier and deeper than (laughs) we typically get for, for this, uh, this particular podcast. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, uh, I think the lyrics are, are spot on in this one. Yeah. But isn't it great that the the song, we can enjoy the song and still make us all think about something on you know address something and yeah when i say enjoy i mean it's not lighthearted. you can enjoy thinking about these things in, in a certain way it's just not fun exactly it's more right it's interesting without exactly being fun and joyful but there's yes. that's that's important too not everything needs to be you know wham you know like wake me up before you go like <laughs> it, it, it's it's great to have this as well you know so i i really enjoyed mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I really I really enjoyed this song on, on every level. All right. Well, with that in mind, this is going to conclude our um, our deep dive series. It was a long 18 episodes. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. We I know I had a lot of fun digging into all of these different bands and kind of finding out um, the deeper stuff that they've got to offer. Um, we're going to probably take a few weeks off here and then we'll be starting our new series uh, shortly after that. All right. I caught it on audio. 